We'll see uh, this mic has been cutting out today. And so um, I see if it works. If it doesn't work, then we will be, uh, we'll be doing some other stuff. Is that going up at all? No? Test too much? Okay, bring her down. We're about there? Sure. Okay, we'll go with that. Amen. We'll turn this up just a little bit so I can hear myself. <coughs> and I got a backup mic ready to go right there. So I'm not going to let the devil win is, is the point. If we had to stop, then we'll just stop and start over. Um, amen. I, I want to I continue um, this thought, this series that I felt like the Lord has put in my heart. I don't preach it to be a series. I've preached a lot of times in here where I haven't. It's on my heart. There, it's cutting out right there. Um, but with the intention about understanding what God's plan for man is, I think this is vital for us. Um, <laughs> I that okay, I'm not doing right. yet. There we go. Okay, um, I say things, and I don't intend to say them just for the purpose of being shocking. I'm not trying to just be provocative. Um, heard multiple people say they've never heard somebody say faggot from the pulpit, but it just needs to be said. I'm sorry. It needs to be said. God calls it an abomination. And that would be, in God's eyes, worse than the word faggot. And we can't even describe how despicable that type of behavior is to God. But there's been an attack on in our culture on on words, trying to change what words mean. They've taken over the word gay. I saw recently the Ark Encounter there, um, Ken, Ken, Ken Ham, is that his name, that uh, has that big Ark in Kentucky. And they've reduplicated Noah's Ark, and so you can go see that, which I think would kind of be neat to just see the scale of it, whether I don't know what they're doing there. But he put the rainbow all over it. He said, we're taking back the rainbow. I think it's about time. We need to control the conversation. You need to be controlling the conversation that's going on in your home. You need to set the tone. You need to, you need to speak boldly, men and women, and call things out as they are. We need, to be, we need to see things from God's perspective. And culture is trying to get us to see things from culture's perspective. And it's ugly. It's really ugly. And so we need not be ashamed or afraid to call things as God sees them. Um, so tonight, <clears throat> I, I mentioned that I feel like they're kind of sum these things up under three captions. And those three captions being that we are called to be lords as men. We are called to be learners, which I think applies to men and women specifically. I don't think there's a whole lot of separation in that. And then tonight, um, this focus, and you could go way more in depth. We could go, and at, as time goes on, maybe we will. But for the sake of not carrying on too long on one subject, um, I want to talk about being light bearers, which I, I think is vitally important. If we, if we don't bear the light, then we cannot operate in the dominion that God intends us to operate in. If we're operating in dominion without light, then we are a lord of darkness. I don't watch it, but it would be like Darth Vader would be the idea of that. The opposite side. We have to bear light. If we're not the bearers of light, then we are the bearers of darkness. And if we expect that our wives would, would honor us, then we need to be honorable. 
We can expect no honor if we are not being honorable, if we're not conducting ourselves in a way that is honorable. So tonight I want you to look at your Bibles in the fifth chapter of Matthew. And I want to read a couple of verses here. Um, And then I want to flip over to the first Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Look at a verse that we've already read, I believe, a few times in the past few weeks. But Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to catch and tie these two together because I think there's something valuable here, something that I shared with Carrie last night I've not really thought of in this, in this way. I'm going to challenge you tonight to think of something in a way that I would suggest probably, I don't know if any of you have ever thought of it in this way before. So I, I'm, I'm going to challenge you, and I want you to look at this verse, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7. For a man, a man indeed ought not to cover his head. Now this chapter has some very specific and particular instruction concerning women and men and concerning the covering of the head. I, I don't have time to go all, all through all of this. I believe the word of God is timeless. I do believe some things are given to specific cultures. If, if they would have addressed, for example, if the apostles would have addressed appropriate dress code, they would have not had any differentiation between men and women in dress code because they all wore tunics. So the culture sometimes does dictate what is being said by Paul. Um, this, I don't have to go through all of it, but there is, there is this move of, of trying to understand how the, the position of a woman, the position of a man, the covering of the head, whether it's literally um, the covering in that uh, uh, there is a, a superior or a, a lord that we've talked about, or whether it's the hair. I, I think the scripture says it is clear in this chapter, though, that it is a shame. I don't think I'm going to offend anybody, but if I do, I'm sorry. I don't think anybody here has this problem, but it is a shame for a woman to have a butch. That's what it says. I don't care what Christian that offends. That's what this chapter says. It is the glory of a woman, her hair. Part of the glory that God gives you. And naturally, a woman's hair will grow much longer than a man's hair. Just, again, find exceptions. We're talking about rules, not exceptions. It is natural for a woman to have long hair. And the Scripture says it is a shame for a man to have long hair. That's what the Scripture says. Now, we can say, well, that doesn't apply to our culture. And maybe we could have an argument over that. I don't know. But the Scripture that it is a shame for a man to have long hair and it is a glory. And it talks about the fact that a woman not being covered is to her shame. Now, whether that is by her husband or whether that is by her hair, people go a lot of different ways. In the middle of this is really where I want to pick up. I don't have time to cover all of that and really doesn't apply to what we're specifically talking about tonight anyway. So look at this verse. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much... As he is the image and the glory 
of God. But the woman is the glory of man. Everybody say two glories. There's not one glory. There's two glories. There is a glory of being a woman. Now, tonight we're talking about being light bearers. And while I am speaking in the thought of God's plan for man, I also want to say that for every one of you women that are sitting here, this all of this is going to apply directly to you too. But there are two glories. There is a glory of a woman. When a woman is conducting herself as God designed her, it is glorious. When a man is conducting himself as God designed him, it is a glory. When a man is acting like a woman, it is an abomination. It's not a glory. You don't, we cannot interchange the glory of a woman with the glory of a man. And this is specifically spelled out here in this chapter by God. It, this is provided, this chapter in general has provided fodder for all kinds of different ways, whichever side you want to fall on on this and arguments over all of those things. But I want to, I want to look at this tonight and understand that we cannot function as God designed us by operating in darkness. Before we talk about the glory, I want to talk about the light. Because if we are operating just as men and women in hidden, in darkness, in the shadows, then we are not operating as God intends men and women to operate within His kingdom. The things that are done in darkness should not be spoken of, the Scripture says. Things that are hidden are, are um, hidden for a reason. I remember when I was young, my mom would, would tell us, I'm sure Heather probably remembers it too, if you have to hide to do it, it's wrong. Well, I didn't know if it's wrong. Well, if you've got to hide it, then it's wrong. Now, I want to take a side note for a second and, and think about this outside of the man's plan. Let's look at koinonia and fellowship. And the number one thing that we have to understand if we are going to be in true fellowship as the body of Christ is you have got to stop hiding what you're doing. If what you're doing doesn't line up with what everybody else is doing, don't hide it. Change it. Because this is specifically what begins to degenerate and to separate people from the koinonia is that we all have our own little niche things where we prefer this and I prefer that and you prefer this. And so because I don't want to, I don't want to hear a lecture about how why I shouldn't do this, then I'm just going to hide what I'm doing. Wrong. Wrong. Wrong idea. If we cannot conduct ourselves, if we do not trust our brothers and sisters in Christ that are there for a purpose, I'll mention that in a second, but are there for a purpose, if we do not trust them to operate with what we're doing in the light, then we are wrong. The apostle says that you are epistles read of all men. Which means that everything that you do should be open for inspection. I didn't get everybody to say amen right there. This, we haven't even got to the part you don't know yet. You all know this part. Everything you do should be open for inspection. And if we do not trust one another, we have already violated koinonia. 
We've already stopped the koinonia and the fellowship of what God wants to do. That that doesn't mean that you all like sushi and I don't want worms, so I'm not eating it. That doesn't mean... But if you've got to hide to eat sushi, we've got a whole different thing going on here. We're not all created the same. We don't all have the exact same, same ideas. But the truth is that there's a lot of stuff that I think is present in the church today. And I'm not talking about... This pseudo-holiness movement. But I think there's a lot of stuff present in, in good Christian people that is there because they're not willing to open up and say, you know, I need to make sure that there's some other people speaking into my life. And if some of these things don't look right, I, I probably should know about it. There's a lot of stuff present because we're not willing to step back and say, you know what? I'm an open epistle. Here's what I am for the good, for the bad, for the indifferent. And I want people around me who can encourage me and uplift me. And if they see me missing somewhere, they can help me. Amen? Pretense is darkness. Hiding is darkness. Covering up your true intentions is darkness. And when you hide your likes and your passions, it removes accountability from your life. It's just the truth of it. Whatever it is that you pull back in so that you are not criticized, it removes accountability from your life. Now, let's think about this, men, because we're really good about believing that we're on our own course and we've got it figured out, especially as we, as we get older. Now I'm in my mid-40s. I'm not even a, a, hardly a young adult. I don't know what age that is, but probably under 40. Well, now I'm way beyond that. And, and I can really feel like I've got everything ironed out. And yet, I'm certain there are some things I don't have ironed out. I know that, but my pretense is to believe that everything I'm doing is probably right at this point in my life. I've been serving the Lord a lot of years. And so probably what I'm thinking is good. Probably what I believe is right. Probably what maybe others around me who might believe differently, you know, well, that's their opinion. And, and it removes the accountability. If there is something that we need... In our lives, men and women, it is accountability. And it cannot be had in darkness. The only way we can be accountable, and, and accountability cannot be demanded. Accountability cannot be extorted from you. The only way we can truly be accountable is if we willingly open our lives and, and allow our wives to begin to look at our hearts. Because uh, Pastor Wayne Holcomb used to say, how are you doing? I'd say, I'm doing good. And he said, I'm going to ask your wife. She'll tell, you how, tell me how you're really doing. All you brothers remember him saying that. Because if we open ourselves and we are epistles read of all men, we should also be then epistles read of our children and our wives. And our wife might have to say, hey, buddy. You need to talk to somebody because you're wrong. But if we operate in darkness and in hidden and in clandestine, then we remove accountability from our lives. And the reason why we're hiding to do it is because we don't want brothers and sisters to see it. Because we don't want to have input into our lives. So the very outset, if I can give you encouragement about light, walk in the light. Don't allow any pretense. Don't go through the motions. Reject darkness. Keep the lights on. And allow the Lord to begin to work in your life. This darkness is not the behavior that God has called us to. Paul says, you once were darkness, but now you are light. 
Therefore, walk in the light as he is in the light. And guess what? You will have fellowship with one another. Koinonia. We can't fellowship without light. We are to be light bearers. Children and the immature are those who want to operate in darkness. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm sure that some of you when you were younger, like in your teenage years and living at home, snuck out of the house. And when did you do that? In the dark. Why? Because you knew it was wrong and you weren't supposed to. You were doing something that you already knew was not was not what was intended, so you had to sneak to do it, and you were in the darkness. I have noticed, I did that a few times when I was younger, and we didn't really do anything bad. We were just running around the neighborhood, and we should have been sleeping over there in White Oak Subdivision with all the other guys, and I don't know what we were doing, but it was stupid. I've discovered that as I've matured, I find no need to sneak out of the house. I own the house. I've got the keys to the car. But now I prefer and choose accountability because I'm maturing. If you're finding yourself needing to keep secrets from your spouse or from your children or from your brothers or from your sisters, it is because there is an immaturity, there is a, there is a deficit, there is a retardation happening in your spirit that needs to change in you. And God wants to change that. Amen? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4 is going to make a connection for us now between light and glory. If I can get that page to turn. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. In whom the God of this blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. Who is the image of God? Christ? Everybody say Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7 says, And you are the image and the glory of God. So are we the image and the glory of God, or is Christ the image and the glory of God? Christ is the image and the glory of God. And when we are operating in Christ, then we are operating within that image and within that glory. Amen? Verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Light reveals what is already present, but what is just not seen. Light doesn't Produce, it reveals. I'm not suggesting that plants, they have photosynthesis, they take the light, and you could say that the light produces, but really it's the plant using the light to produce something. But light in its nature does not create. Light reveals what is already created. Light makes it visible. Light makes it clear. The light of the gospel, the light of the knowledge, does not create the glory of Christ, is the point I am making. Light doesn't make the glory of Christ. 
Light reveals the glory of Christ. It already existed, but it just could not be seen. Point being, you are to be light bearers. Christ is already glorious. He already possesses all the glory, all the honor, all power and dominion is His. Light isn't creating, you bearing the light isn't creating the glory of Christ. You bearing the light of Christ is revealing the glory of Christ. The God of this world wants to dim the light so that we can not see the glory of Christ. He's, he can't stop the glory. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? Satan cannot stop the glorious being of God. He cannot stop His glory from covering the earth. But what He can do is what this Scripture just said, is that He blinds the eyes so that they cannot see the glory. He dims the lights. When we come in here and pray on Saturday nights, and we've always done this, we turn all these overhead lights off and we just have these, what we call prayer lights. Why? It's not because God can't can't be talked to with the lights on it helps to remove distraction is why we do that we're not trying to operate in darkness we're just trying to get all the distractions away so that i don't i'm it's not as visible when you're you know snorting or coughing or drinking a bottle of water or yelling at your kids it's not drawing my attention this is exactly though the same type of thing that satan is doing he is trying to get the lights turned down on who jesus is He's doing that within your life because if your gospel is hid, it's hid to those who are lost around you. It's hid to your home. It's hid to your wife. It's hid to your husband. It's hid to your family. It's hid to your co-workers. And the more that he can turn down the light in your life, then the glory of Christ is not seen. It's there. It's available. Not seen. Because the light isn't present. So our job is not to produce the glory. Our job really isn't to try to find the glory. I know a lot of this charismatic movement, they're calling themselves glory hounds and glory chasers. We're not chasing the glory. What we need to be chasing is the light. That's what we need to be chasing. That's what we need to be welcoming into our life. But the brighter the light, the brighter the glory of Christ. So let me give you a key tonight that I think is going to cure a lot of marriage problems, a lot of church problems, a lot of family problems. All of you need to listen. You are designed to be a light bearer, but not a light producer. You are designed to carry the light, but you are not the source of the light. The light that is there, you are to show, is not the light that is yours. Because if you start seeing the light that is mine, you're going to find a lot of darkness. If you can peer into our souls apart from the, from the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, just get a look into your heart. Tell me how much light is present within your life without Christ. It's none. It's ugly. It's putrid. What we are to do is not produce light. We are to carry His light, to bear His light. 1 John 1 and 8 
speaking of John the Baptist, it says that he came to bear witness of the light. That he was not the light, but that he testified concerning the light. I think this is a perfect example of what, of what God wants us to see. The greatest prophet, Jesus says that no greater prophet among men than John the Baptist. And his testimony was, I'm not the source. I'm just radiating as God is shining his light upon me. I am reflecting his light, his glory off of me. And on to those who are around me so that they can see it. Jesus, remember our example? He's the image. We're not really the image. He's the light. We're not really the light. When, when Jesus says you are the light of the world, you're not the light of the world outside of Him. You're not the image of God outside of Him. Outside of Him, you're the image of sin, shaping in iniquity. But in Christ, you're the image of God. A beautiful vessel being shaped by the potter's hands. A vessel of honor and a vessel of glory. Outside of Christ, you're a vessel of dishonor. Now Jesus, again, our example, the Lord, and we are Lord. He is the Lord of lords. We're to follow Him. God could have done redemption any way he chose to. Amen? Everybody's pretty quiet tonight. God could have done redemption any way. And I've thought about this a lot of times, and maybe you have too. Why did God do it this way? Why did God have this plan where he would become flesh, reveal himself in flesh? Why? I mean, could he not have done it in a tree? Or could he not have just said, oh, here I am, uh, come to Jerusalem? He could have done any way. But I believe a huge portion of this is that he wanted to walk upon the earth to show us exactly the image that we are to walk in. To show us exactly the light that we are to walk in. To show us exactly the glory that we are to walk in. As he was on this earth, so are we to be. So this is a big portion of that. So now look then at Jesus. And in John chapter 17 and verse 4 and 5, where he says, uh, let's just read it so I don't, I don't contort it at all. John 17 Really familiar passage of Scripture. One where Trinitarians get very stumped and, and stumble on. But it's really not very confusing at all when we look at it just from this perspective of whose glory it is. Now think about this. This is the man, Christ, speaking. We have the man, we have the Son of God, and we have God speaking all in, in Christ. But look at this. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was, or before I was sent into the system as we know. Definitely, Jesus is exercising the same principle that we just saw with John. Being the example of how you and I are supposed to walk his first words that we read here are, I have glorified thee on the earth. He is the glory. But the glory of God, he has refused. 
Remember Philippians 2? It says that he became a servant like we are. Though it was right, he had every authority and every right to walk as God on earth because he is God. He emptied himself of all of that glory and the glory that he allowed was only the reflection of the glory of his father. Everybody following what I just said? This is really important. God on this earth, showing us how to live, refused to operate within the glory of God. He only reflected the glory of God off of his life. He said, I'm not saying anything but that which the Father tells me. I'm not glorifying myself. It's the Father who is glorifying me. And we always think, well, that's, it's the Father who's lifting me up. I, I don't think... I'm thinking about that in different terms right now. I think what he's maybe alluding to is more that it is the glory of the Father that you are seeing upon me. He emptied himself of all of this right, of all of this rule, of all of this dominion, and he became a servant. He became a man just like we are. Human. The suffering servant. Anthropos. He refuses the glory and constantly directs it or reflects it toward God, the one who pours out his glory upon man. I think the biggest struggles that we face then are when we start feeling our oats and think that we have some light to share with other people. When we get going along this thing long enough and we've been quote-unquote, saved long enough, we start believing that somehow we have some light to shed on the issue. That we have some glory to share. That I am owed some honor in this thing. And yet the example that we have, the Lord Almighty Himself walking in flesh on this earth, rejects this very principle and says, Father, I have glorified You upon this earth. And now, restore to me the glory that I have. The glory that is of me, but I have let it go in order that I might walk in this thing, show the humanity how to live, how to conduct itself, and act just as a man. He's going to be drawn back into that glory. But we aren't. That's the point. You're never getting to the spot where you have a glory that is yours. You're never getting to a spot where you have a light that is yours. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's not yours. We are lights of the world. It's not yours. Your light stinks. Your light is darkness. It's His light. That is the glory. It's His light that is, that is the, luminous, the luminescence of, uh, and the radiance of God. If this one dies, we'll preach without a mic. 
John from the outset makes it clear that he is not producing the light. He is reflecting the light. Jesus makes it clear, this glory is not about me. I'm reflecting the glory. Even though it is about him, he's showing us how to walk. He's not the source. John's not the source, but he is the one declaring the glorious light. So the principle is this. It is so important because it seems that the world is trying to convince everybody that we are entitled to our one shining moment. If we can just get everybody, you know, hey, we've all got an opinion and I've got something to bring to the table too, Pastor. I got something, man, I, I've been in this thing a long time. I'm affluent. I have a good job. I make good money. I've got some light to shed on the subject. This is the danger. This is the difficulty. Men become unhappy with their wives. Women no longer want to be thought of just as Johnny's mom. We're not satisfied unless we have our shining moment, our light, our name. And the apostle really gives us a beautiful picture so that we can see this. Men, you are the image and the glory of God. Everybody ready? I need you to buckle up and change your mind about how you're thinking about some stuff. You are the image and the glory of God. You should not be self-serving. You should always, you should not be promoting yourself all the time. Too many men are caught up in posing and posturing. I see this a lot now. We, so we have this dichotomy. You've got this group that's really soft, and then you've got this group that's soft men that want to pretend like they're not. Posing and posturing. Talking some tough top talk and this machismo and telling exaggerated stories of how they made other men cower while walking up the hill both ways to work and back. This pseudo-masculinity Really, it's a radiance of our own, and that's the, that's the difficulty of this. You're called to shine His light, not to produce your own. Don't fall into the trap of allowing another woman's attention to spark a fire that sends out a light, but that that light is a forest fire that's going to burn your house down. When we allow His glory to reside upon us, His glory touches the masculinity that He designed for us, and it brings more glory to Him. Everybody catch that? If I just... Now, listen, God, I, I said this, talking about the practical. I believe that God made us to be hard men. That's what He made us to do. But if I just operate as a hard man, does that bring glory to God? No. What brings glory to God is when I operate as a hard man and choose to deflect the glory to God for what is going on in my life. That's what brings glory to Him. It is the deflection. It reminds me of the old Andre Crouch song where he said, and if I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. It's not me that's doing this thing. I didn't pull myself up by my bootstraps and get this figured out. It is the grace of God. For by grace you are being saved. That not of yourself. It's not of works. It's a gift. It's something God is doing in you. Don't take it like you've accomplished something. Deflect that glory to Him. Give the honor to Him. And allow Him to be glorified in your life. When we allow His glory to reside in us, He receives glory. Women are the glory of man. 
Not my words. All the women need to say amen. Not my words. You should not be seeking your own. You should not be self-willed and self-seeking, leading to contentment. Discontentment will lead you to try to produce your own light. Lighting fires that burn that should never be lit. You are the glory of your husband. You are to reflect the glory of your man. And when you allow his glory to cover you, it reflects off of your beauty and God is pleased by your contentment. And you become a reflection of the values of your husband. And God makes you satisfied, fulfilled, and fruitful. You want to be discontent, ladies? Seek your own glory. Make your own name. I literally have heard this many times. I, I heard a, a, a woman that we all knew. I heard, heard her one time say, I'm just tired of only being known as so-and-so's mom. And I just don't know what greater calling there is but to be known as so-and-so's mom. Hopefully, there's a glory that's coming off of you as women, and it's reflecting onto your children so that they don't have a glory of their own. They've got a glory that's coming from you. Bad news for the men, though. We don't get off that easily. It doesn't just stop with those things that I already said. The Scripture says that we have this glory hidden in earthen vessels. It speaks of the investment, the deposit which God has made in us of His glory. He has showed His love toward us. He takes pleasure in us. He has poured out His nature in us. He became a servant of us. And He has given Himself for us. He has poured out His gifts upon us. And so, we are to do likewise to our wives. All the men need to say amen. It's what you were designed for. I don't know if you caught what I'm trying to lay down here. But if you look at this from the perspective of God, men, you don't have your own glory. You are the image and the glory of God only as you are the reflection of the glory that He is pouring out upon you. So your glory is not yours. Women, you do not possess your own glory. The glory that God intends, the light that God intends for us, trickles from Him to me. And I, He pours that upon me, and I in turn am to pour that upon my wife. And my wife in turn with me is to pour that upon our children. The issue is that we are self-seeking and trying to pour out our own glory. We're raising our children to become like us and we need to be raising our children to become like Him. We're trying to get things figured out in the home because we're trying to get the wife to think like me and what I need to be doing is trying to get my wife to think like 
him. I've got a problem in my house because I'm trying to get my husband to think like me, and I really need to get my husband to think like him. And I've got a bunch of children who are out of control, and I'm trying to get them into submission to me, but if I could get them into submission to him, everything else is going to take care of itself. The problems arise within our homes, within the structures of our marriages and our families, when we try to produce our own glory. You're not to replicate, and I know this sounds a little off from the beginning, but you're not to replicate yourself and your children. As much as I, I wanted to be like my dad, the greatest thing my dad gave me was Christ. And the greatest thing you can give your children is Christ. You can't make them like you. You can't force anything on them anyway. But when we think about being glory bearers, we've got to stop thinking about it being our glory, our praise. And we've got to understand that whatever station we are in, whether it is children, whether it is women, whether it is men, it is not our glory that we possess. And the quicker that we learn to grab on to the fact that God is trying to pour out His glory upon me, and it is my job to pour out His glory upon my wife. And it is her job to pour out His glory upon our children. And to in turn reflect the glory that I have shown in her and that beauty. And it couples with all of that God is wanting to do within our home. But it starts with the concept of no one should think of themselves more highly than they ought to. But let each esteem others as better than themselves. Is that really where we operate? Or do we generally operate with the idea that I know more than the other men around me? I know more than the other women around me. I certainly know more than my wife. And my, kid, my kids, you know, they're, they're just a bunch of dumbbells. We defer no glory. Naturally, we absorb glory. We possess glory. We try to keep a hold of the glory. But what God designed us for is to radiate His glory. That's what He made us to do. So we have this beautiful glory that is hidden in the earthen vessels that we are. And it is your duty to place glory upon your wife. Men, it's your duty. Just as God pours out upon us, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Just as God does that toward us, it is our duty also to do that toward our spouses. It's your duty, women. And I know I'm repeating, but I want to drive this point home because I never even thought about it in these terms before. And the Lord just, just opened this to my eyes. If you are content to be a reflection of your husband, how beautiful is it in God's eyes? Or is it women pastors and women leaders, authoritarian men who demand and control? Does God control you, men? 
Does he control your steps? Does he force you? No. No, he pours out compassion and mercy and love and grace and just, uh, he, he, the scripture says that he hovers over us, that he rejoices over us. This is the type that we are to be toward our families. And I hope tonight that you can leave here thinking about this in a different light. Not in controlling. Not in dominating. But in creating an atmosphere where the glory of the Lord can be seen within all of our homes. Within the whole of our home. That His glory is reflected off of each life. Amen? Amen, Pastor. Why don't you come and close this?